you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. I've seen some pretty concerning rhetoric coming out of the extreme right, which, by the way, is where I'd place Trump and his followers. But some of this recent stuff coming out is beyond concerning. According to rightwingwatch.org, Trump's attorney, Lynn Wood, and also Michael Flynn, called for Trump to declare martial law. These are the same people who wouldn't stop screaming that Obama was going to institute martial law at the end of his term and never leave office. I guess we should have taken that as a sign that it's what they intended to do if they found themselves in that position. Lynn Wood, Trump's attorney, said, quote, our country is headed to civil war, a war created by third-party bad actors for their benefit, not for we the people. Communist China is leading the nefarious efforts to take away our freedom. Donald Trump should declare martial law, end quote. Michael Flynn, a retired general in the military, wrote an article recently where he said, quote, when the legislators, courts, and or Congress fail to do their duty under the 12th Amendment, you must be ready, Mr. President, to immediately declare a limited form of martial law and temporarily suspend the Constitution and civil control of these federal elections for the sole purpose of having the military oversee a national revote. Suspend the Constitution! These people call themselves constitutionalists. This is getting completely insane. Not to mention the fact that Texas recently filed a lawsuit against some swing states that went Biden's way. And when the suit was rejected, the Republican leadership in Texas wrote, quote, perhaps law-abiding states should bond together and form a union of states that will abide by the Constitution. Fascinating. So the conservative leadership is actually calling for another civil war right now. Although I can't help but notice they called it a union of states. The conservatives during the civil war created the confederacy. The liberals were the union. So actually, you want the states to form a confederacy, not a union. Fix that for you. Hey, I've got some good news for everybody. COVID is 100% guaranteed to be beat soon. Because of the vaccines? No. Because of the doctors and scientists working on better medical treatments? Nope. Because people got their shit together and started wearing masks? Nope. Because Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts proclaimed a day of prayer to beat it. It's a sure thing now. Why didn't we think of this before? Oh yeah, because it's fucking useless and everybody knows it is. After downplaying the virus and pretending it wasn't as serious as it is, now we're up to over 3,000 deaths per day. More than 9-11. Every single day. And he's trying to solve the problem not by using his actual legal power and authority, but by proclaiming a day of prayer. These people are worthless. And can you guess which party voted him in? That's right. The Republican Party. This is why I will never vote Republican, solely because the evangelical voting bloc is the group that steers the ship that is the Republican Party. Bottom line, if the Republican Party came out tomorrow and said they were dropping the evangelicals, didn't want anything to do with them, and wanted to do things in a secular humanist way and respect science and scientists, they'd have my vote in a heartbeat. But how can you possibly respect a party that can't win votes unless they dog whistle to Christian nationalism? Honestly, we're lucky if it's just a dog whistle. Some representatives have straight up come out and said that if you aren't Christian, you shouldn't be considered a U.S. citizen. George H.W. Bush famously said, quote, I don't know that atheists should be considered as citizens, nor should they be considered patriots. This is one nation under God, end quote. But you know, keep sticking it to those lib cucktard flakes and vote red. 
I talked about Kirk Cameron recently, but who the hell is this dude? How'd he get famous? Well, he started out on the TV show Growing Pains back in the 80s. Eventually, he was picked up by some evangelical Christian extremist networks, and he'd be on daytime TV every day spouting off all kinds of Christian extremist nonsense. In fact, Family Guy did a whole episode about it where Meg gets injured and has to stay home all day and falls in love with him because his show was the only thing to watch on TV, and it leads to her turning into a Christian extremist too. It's a pretty interesting episode actually. Anyways, he's back in the news because he's protesting the COVID restrictions. Why is it that Christian nationalists tend to be the stupidest people alive in every other area of life, refusing to respect guidelines to keep people safe? The vaccines are being distributed now. You seriously couldn't hold it together for a single year? Give me a fucking break. Anyways, he released a video the other day where he said, quote, We had the most amazing time this last Sunday. It was a Christmas carol peaceful protest. Have you ever sung Christmas carols by candlelight at a time when your state governors prohibited you from doing that? In America, we're having an encore protest this Sunday at the Oaks Mall in Thousand Oaks, California. We want to double the size of our local gathering. If you love God, if you love Christmas, and if you love liberty, you're not going to want to miss this. End quote. He's making it seem like the governors have banned Christmas caroling because it's a religious ritual. That's fucking obnoxious. The persecution complex is strong with this one. No dumbass, gathering in large groups is prohibited right now, until this virus is under control. The vaccine will help with that. And you know what else would? Wearing a fucking mask. I know, I'm asking too much. The problem is, we're only as strong as our weakest link, and our weakest links are trying desperately to get every Everybody killed. You guys know drug rehabilitation holds a special place in my heart. I was an addict for years before finally getting clean, so these stories are important to me. Well, as it turns out, some victims of a Christian drug and alcohol rehab center in Australia are speaking out. They were interviewed about the place called Healing House by ABC Investigations. People weren't allowed out of jail unless they agreed to go to this place. That's something I've seen in West Virginia. You're not allowed out of prison unless you agree to go to drug court and Narcotics Anonymous or Alcoholics Anonymous, which is a Christian or organization. One victim said, quote, the center has no staff nor any qualified medical or mental health professionals on site. The residents are instead fed a daily diet of fringe religious teachings and bizarre online videos as part of a Christ-centered structured recovery model. The drug and alcohol rehabilitation sector is unregulated. It means there's no oversight, no requirement to uphold certain standards, and no minimum qualifications for staff, end quote. Well, that's not entirely true. It is regulated. There are strict rules about qualifications and who's allowed to lead groups and stuff like that. You have to have very specific certifications. However, if you're a pastor recognized by a church, you can legally act as a counselor or a therapist. Insurance companies will even pay you for that role in some states. Seriously, I'm not joking. If you're a secular program, the rules apply. If you're a religious program, they don't. You know what I'm fucking sick of? Religious nutcases masquerading as psychology professionals. Religion has permeated the drug and alcohol rehabilitation world for too long. I went to school for substance abuse counseling and all of my education was secular. To come out of that education and find that a disproportionate amount of rehab facilities and programs are ultra-religious really pisses me off. Why is religion mixed in there at all? Religion has only ever served to hold back progress in society. Anytime we try to move forward, there's religion standing in the way. When we were trying to abolish slavery in the U.S., we had religious nutbags quoting scripture at us about how God wanted us to have slaves. When we got the Civil Rights Act, there was religion standing behind the legislators the whole time, claiming that black skin is the mark of Cain, and black people were cursed by God. 
It's fucking sick. Religion needs to find its place far away from government and everyday life. You want to be religious? Be my guest. But don't push it down other people's throats. You guys remember Louis Gohmert, member of Congress from Texas, famously said, don't cast aspersions on my asparagus. In case you haven't heard this, let's roll the clip. It's pretty funny. He was in a hearing with an attorney general and the AG said what Gohmert was saying wasn't true. So in response, Louis said this. The attorney general made statements that what I said was not true when actually uh, the reverse is what happened. I asked the Mr. attorney Mr. general Chairman, what Mr. was Chairman, asked. Reg, reg, this is my point of personal no, privilege, and then the gentleman well, responded. No, it's not the point of personal privilege. Yes, it is. So when you attack somebody's integrity and say they made statements that were not true, then, of course, uh, that is, uh, raises a point of personal privilege. But the attorney general failed to answer my the questions about what was after what he went back Don't cast aspersions on my asparagus. So as you can plainly see, the dude isn't the sharpest crayon in the box. But that's not where the stupidity ends. He refused to wear a mask anywhere he went because, of course he did. And when he caught COVID, he came to his congressional office to tell everybody in person, maskless. He survived, and he decided to hold a press briefing recently where he said this. Don't you think it's time that we had Supreme Court justices that quit worrying about intimidation and quit worrying about threats and said, we are here by God's grace. We took an oath to God. Interesting. The Supreme Court should stop worrying about intimidation and threats. I feel like it's worth mentioning that this is the exact reason why the Supreme Court doesn't have term limits. Because they don't want them to be beholden to anybody. They don't want them to have to campaign and please anybody. They wanted them to vote how they felt was right. I.e., they wanted the justices to feel free to vote the way they felt was right and not have to worry about consequences. Which I can understand. I get it. I understand the logic behind that, but in my personal opinion, the Supreme Court shouldn't have lifetime appointments anyways. I haven't put a whole lot of thought into it, but right off the top of my head, I think if you put them in their seats for 18 years and then it's over, they're no longer allowed to be on the seat no matter what, that would probably solve a lot of problems. They wouldn't be lifetime appointments and they wouldn't be beholden to anybody. Anyways, let's continue the clip. We took an oath to God and we are going to follow the oath to our Constitution and our God, and this mockery of an election is not going to define this country. Some say we don't have a remedy. Some say we don't have a jurisdiction. The Constitution says they do, and the remedy is you throw out the bad votes, and if you don't know what they are, you throw out the certification and let the House decide, just as the Constitution said. And you need to pray for that very thing. Thank you. God bless you all. Oh, here we go again. 
No, the Supreme Court did not take an oath to God. Maybe they did individually, in which case maybe they shouldn't be on the Supreme Court. As the Bible says, you can't slave for two masters. Their primary goal should be to uphold the Constitution. God shouldn't be mixed in there at all. But leave it to old Louis to make a fool of himself. For some reason, I'm not surprised. Don't forget, he's a federal representative of the Republican Party. When you vote red, you vote for people like this jagoff. Before we get into all that, let's listen to some voicemails. If you want to call in and leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hi, Owen. This is Katara, and I'm actually from Canada. I'm a huge fan of yours. Um, the reason I'm calling, I had a question, and I thought maybe you could help me uh, think through it. Um, I've been struggling with mental health issues all my life. Um, and in the past couple of years, I've tried to open up to my family, but they've been kind of not receptive. In particular, my mother has, um, said, oh, you, you just need to find God. You, you need to find Jesus. And that's what you're missing in your heart. And I'm, I don't believe in that stuff and that, but I don't tote that around in front of my family because they're crazy. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I thought maybe you could help me thinking with that. Thanks. Well, I'll tell you this. Well, I'll tell you this. I know that with extremist cults and extreme religions, the goal, generally speaking, is to get people to be dependent on the group. They want you to be mentally physically and emotionally and informationally dependent on this group of people on the leadership on the hierarchy they want you to go to them for help always that's why your mom is saying that kind of thing i heard the same shit from my own mother so my suggestion my recommendation to you would be to find some way to sever yourself from that dependency. Obviously, you don't believe it anymore. That's a step in the right direction. I would recommend you find other people to lean on. Find another community to work with. Find more people who think like you. Obviously, Jesus isn't going to help. And most importantly, don't ever let them think that you need to go to them or to God for mental or emotional help. Talk to somebody secular. Talk to a secular therapist, somebody outside the religion. I think therapy is a benefit for basically everybody. I think everybody has something that they've experienced that therapy could help them work through. So talk to a therapist, seriously. It's the best idea, in my opinion. Hey, man. It's Richard Bay. I just caught your podcast, dude, and it's pretty good. I know what it's like to be homeless myself, man. And, uh, yeah, it sucks, bro. But I do like your videos, and, I, you know, I just want to say good job and keep up the good work, man. You're doing a good job. Thank you, and have a good day, man. Bye. I appreciate that. Um, life has not been easy for me, but truthfully, it's been easier than the life of some people. 
it's horrific to know what cults put people through sometimes. It's fucking disgusting, man. If we can make things a little bit easier for people, just a little bit, I'll be happy. That's all I want. Hey, Owen, this is Hannah. I'm in New York, and I just wanted to know, in regards to the Caleb and Sophia videos, as well as the um, propaganda videos from the Jehovah's Witnesses, who produces them? Like, are they Jehovah's Witness, or do you think they hire a third party to produce and edit them? Thank you. Bye. Really interesting question, I think. I really appreciate that. The answer may surprise you. Jehovah's Witnesses are completely independent. They don't rely on anybody for anything as an organization. So the governing body has this belief that when the apocalypse comes, they're going to have the responsibility of stepping in as the government. They're going to have to act as the government when it all goes down, at least for Jehovah's Witnesses. That's why when Hurricane Katrina hit back in like 2006 or whenever it was, Jehovah's Witnesses, the organization, was sending people from the congregations down to Louisiana to rebuild the houses of other Jehovah's Witnesses, not of normal people, but other Jehovah's Witnesses. If you're not a member of the congregation, you don't receive their help. They want to be completely independent of the world, if at all possible, because they believe it's going to come crashing down eventually. So to answer your question, Jehovah's Witnesses produce the propaganda videos, Caleb and Sophia and everything else, completely internal. And historically, they used to be a printing press. That's what the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society was when it started. It was a printing company. They used to print the Watchtower and the Awake and Bibles and literature of various sorts, and they would pass it out to their members. But as times changed, the Watchtower Society has actually changed with them. They've always prided themselves on the fact that they've been on top of new technologies as they came out. In the 1900s and the 1910s, they used to have these things called sound cars. They're basically big cars that had a phonograph on the top. And they would drive down the street and play a message on the phonograph with that big horn coming off the top from the founder, from Charles Taze Russell. They've always tried to utilize new technologies to their benefit. That's one unique thing about the Jehovah's Witnesses that you don't necessarily find in every single cult. So as time has gone on, obviously paper literature has become less popular, less common. People aren't reading physical books as much anymore. They're reading them on iPads. They're reading them on their phones. So the Jehovah's Witnesses have tried to transition over to digital stuff as much as possible. They even created their own apps, multiple apps. The JW Library app that has, you know, a bunch of records of different literature they've released, excluding the ones that they consider apostate material now because back then they said some things they don't want people to remember. Kind of left those off JW Library, but anyways, they've also created apps for foreign languages so that you can learn foreign languages, so you can communicate with 
uh, people who don't speak your language if you encounter them when you're knocking on doors, that kind of thing. And they have invested so much in this whole digital empire thing that they're trying to do now that they are actually in the process of building a giant media center now, from my understanding. There's a news article about it not long ago. They're building this big media production building where all of the people who work at their headquarters are going to live. They're going to live inside this building and work there, producing Caleb and Sophia videos, managing the apps and updating them, updating their literature and their software and running their website and the whole nine yards. Like I said, they've always tried to commit to new technologies, and that's what they've done. There was a period of time in the 90s and, and early 2000s when they discouraged internet use at all because they thought it was going to turn people away from Jehovah, which, honestly, probably a, a fear based in reality but they have largely embraced it now. There is no real way, honestly, to prevent people from using the internet. It was only a matter of time before they had to embrace it. The biggest of Chungai, who would win in a fight, the governing body or the Mormon leadership? I don't know, dude. I think the Mormon leadership, they tend to be a lot older for some reason. I think the governing body has some young spry whippersnappers on there. They would probably, I think they'd probably win if it was a, like a street fight, you know. Governing body would win. Although the governing body is a lot more pacifist than the Mormon church. So I don't know that they would end up in a fight. I think the governing body would refuse to fight in the first place. But if it came down to it and it was like, their lives on the line or something, I think the governing body would, would have them over a barrel. I don't think that's my bias talking either. I, I hate them both equally. So uh, let's see. The biggest of Chungai, no weapons, and it's an even fight to the death. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, well, if it's a fight to the death, oh, shoot. Um, the governing body may still refuse, honestly. They're like really, really pacifist. Uh Assuming the governing body agreed to the fight in the first place, I think that they would win. I think Jehovah's Witnesses would win that one. I think the prophet of um, the Mormon church, the head guy, he's like in his 80s or something. The governing body members, a lot of them are fairly young, 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh, I think they have some older ones, but for the most part, I think they're pretty young uh, compared to the Mormon leadership anyways. You know what, dude? I, I just, this came to me a minute ago. The biggest Chung guy asked who would win in a fight, the governing body or the Mormon leadership. I didn't even think about this before, but Tony Morris, one of the governing body members, before he was a Jehovah's Witness, he was in the Vietnam War. He was in the military. And my mom loves the dude for that reason, because my mom was also in the military around that time and just absolutely relates, I guess, just relates with him for that reason. As a result of being in the Vietnam War and seeing some real horrors, as basically everybody did at that time, sadly, that stuff actually kind of leaks out in his talks sometimes. Like, he'll say some real horrific stuff, seriously, things that kids should not hear. And he says it in front of a whole congregation. It's fucking wrong. 
I'll try I'll try to be mild with this. This may not make it to the final podcast at the end, but one of the talks he gave, he was talking about what it's going to be like in Armageddon, what we're going to see in Armageddon, how terrible it's going to be. Jehovah's Witnesses should not have been subjected to that talk, honestly. It was real horrific. He's trying to draw a very vivid picture of what Armageddon's going to be like to try to scare Jehovah's Witnesses into continuing to knock on doors and staying in the religion. And he drew from his bottomless well of horrors that he picked up when he was in the Vietnam War. And it was just straight up wrong, dude, honestly. It was wrong. So, I don't know. The guy, he would probably win in a street fight against most cult leaders. David Miscavige from Scientology may be able to take him because he's a little bit younger, I think, and he's naturally very violent. So, I would say Miscavige might beat Toni Morris in a fight if it was really a fight to the death, but... I think Tony Morris be able to take basically anybody else. When we come back, we're going to talk about Christian rehab centers getting called out by ABC Investigations. So give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. next article I wanted to take a look at is entitled Australian Victims Speak Out Against Christian Drug and Alcohol Rehab Center. This is on the Friendly Atheist website written by Hemant Mehta, so let's give it a read and see what it has to say. You know the story won't end well when it involves a religious rehab clinic. In Sydney, Australia, some people have been ordered by the courts to spend time in the Healing House, a drug and alcohol rehab center. But a new report from ABC Investigations finds that it's basically a faith-based torture chamber for people who simply wanted to get better. Obviously, I'm very invested in this subject. I used to be an addict. When I left Jehovah's Witnesses, I left everybody behind that I ever knew and loved. I didn't know anybody from my past. Like, everybody had abandoned me, pretty much. And the only people that I knew were the people that I met at school who just so happened to be heavily involved in drugs, some of them. And that led to me moving into that lifestyle. It was obviously a very bad decision, but guess what I didn't have? Parents to help guide me through this type of thing. So eventually I ended up getting into harder drugs, and it took me years to get out. As a result, I have been through the court system, I have been through rehab facilities, and after finally getting clean, I've been through college to learn about substance abuse counseling and the psychology behind addiction and the whole nine yards. I was originally going to become a substance abuse counselor. That was my intent, like a group therapy counselor. It just so happened that YouTube caught on at the right time, and I felt that the psychology that I learned could be better applied to cults and destructive religions and things like that. So instead of going into that territory, I ended up becoming a YouTuber instead and talking about cults. 
but this does still hold a place in my heart, and I feel like it's a really important subject to cover. So with all that being said, let's continue reading. This is Hemet Mehta speaking. Said one victim whose bail was dependent on going to Healing House, it was an absolute nightmare. I was mentally more sound in jail. I asked to go back to jail. Back to Hemet Mehta. What's wrong with the place? First, there's literal filth. Quote, when I first walked into the Healing House, I was just gobsmacked. The filth and the dirt in the place was just unbelievable. Former resident Francis Loy said, there were kids running around. There were flies stuck to all the benches in the kitchen. There were plates and dishwashing that hadn't been washed and half-eaten meals, half-cooked meals. The fridges were disgusting. Back to Hemant Mehta. That's disgusting, but it's not a religious-specific problem. Those were separate. Quote, at least seven residents were reluctantly baptized in one of the bathrooms at the healing house. A number of them had told ABC Investigations they felt they didn't have a choice. One of them was a Muslim. Holy shit. That's a big deal. Even if religion is fabricated and completely fake, which obviously it is, or in my opinion it is anyways, haven't seen any evidence otherwise, it doesn't matter. This stuff is still capable of traumatizing people, even if it's fake. It can cause real traumatic damage to people. Christopher Hitchens wrote this book called The Missionary Position forever ago. It was about Mother Teresa. And in the book, he did this whole expose on her and her mission and, and who she was and what she did and all kinds of shit. Turns out she was actually pretty fucked up. She would do things like baptize Muslims while they were unconscious, say prayers over them and everything, which completely nullifies everything that they worked for in their lives. Now, like I said, that's fake, obviously. To me, I see that as complete bullshit. But to them, it destroys every part of their lives. It is important that you don't do things like that because it can genuinely damage people's emotional and mental health. Anyway, let's keep reading. The center has no staff nor any qualified medical or mental health professionals on site. Residents are instead fed a daily diet of fringe religious teachings and bizarre online videos as part of a Christ-centered structured recovery model. If it's Christ-centered, that's usually code for a lack of any supporting evidence that shows the methods work. In fact, not only is the place unregulated, the people in charge have no qualifications. They're just Christian and think that gives them the power to do whatever they want, no matter how harmful it may be. Kind of a hallmark of extremist Christianity, isn't it? The belief that just because you're a Christian means that you have power and authority to do anything you want. The drug and alcohol rehab sector is unregulated. It means there's no oversight, no requirement to uphold certain standards, and no minimum qualifications for staff. In a statement to ABC Investigations, NSW police said they do not conduct checks as offenders are referred to the programs by courts. The NSW Attorney General, the NSW Chief Magistrate, and the Federal Assistant Minister for Charities have declined to comment. I just want to touch on this real quick. They're saying that there are no qualified mental health professionals on site. Everything is completely unregulated. That's not necessarily true. Now, I don't know how it works in Australia, but I do know how it works in the United States. There are regulations in the United States, strict regulations. If you are dealing with a rehab facility, you have to have a bunch of certifications 
that are legally recognized and you have to retake those certifications like every two or three years or something like that. You have to have a bachelor's degree at least, a master's degree for some positions and things like that. If you're a secular institution. If you're not a secular institution, if you're a religious institution, you don't have to have shit. You don't have to have any qualifications, zero. And on top of that, insurance companies will pay you for your services as a therapist or as a group therapy leader, as a substance abuse counselor. Insurance companies will pay you for it and you don't have to do anything. You don't have to have an education in it. You don't have to have any kind of a background or anything else. In most states, that's the case. In California, one of the most populated states, that's the case. Jesse Lee Peterson, I talked about him recently, he provides therapy services to people and their insurance companies pay him for it. He's nothing more than a pastor. Anyways, let's keep reading. This is Hemant Mehta. In other words, the clinic was given the benefit of the doubt because it's faith-based and it turned out the Christians in charge couldn't be trusted. What do you expect from a Christian nationalist country? Seriously. There are people here who want a Christian state. There are people here who believe that atheists are not citizens or they shouldn't be considered citizens. Namely, George H.W. Bush, the former president. He's, he is on record as saying that. Instead of listening to the scientists, instead of listening to the psychologists, and working within the, the secular world to legitimately help people, legitimately fix problems, we're dealing with people who would rather go to AA or NA, the 12-step program, which is entirely based around Jesus and not at all based around actual psychology. The NA and the AA programs have a worse track record for helping people than secular programs. Fewer people come out of that and don't use drugs again than if they had gone to a secular program. Why are we still doing this? Why is NA, the 12-step program, why, is, why does it even exist still? This blows my fucking mind. The founder of the place, Meredith Raymond, wouldn't speak to reporters and shut down her YouTube channel. But the other board members haven't defended their actions either. Why do they enjoy hurting so many people in the name of Jesus? When are they going to apologize and why haven't they quit? On Facebook yesterday, Raymond posted a comment about how many women she's helped. Quote, I'll be talking to the cameras with everyone that's been helped. Cameras who don't have a left-wing agenda to bring a negative report over a small Christian ministry who's helped so many. I can't help everyone, but I can help some and will keep helping those who want it. Even the lady in the videos who sent a message to one of our girls saying she would punch another girl's head in if we don't move her out. I mean, I'm dealing with a very challenging calling and doing my best. It sounds to me like she's trying to destroy the person's reputation. If you don't like what we're doing here, then it means that you're evil. Obviously, you're going to, by the nature of your business, you're probably going to be dealing with people who have underlying mental and emotional issues and possibly violent tendencies in some cases. That does not surprise me. But I notice she hasn't mentioned anything about the violence 
of the people who are Christian, only the people who didn't want to take part in her program. She has no problem talking about the issues that they had. This is a problem that exists in every single drug rehab center, Christian or otherwise, it doesn't matter. People come in there with real mental and emotional issues. You should be prepared to work with this and not make excuses for it. If you actually had qualifications, if you had real psychologists working for you, you would know how to work with this shit. This wouldn't be as big of an issue. You wouldn't try to, you wouldn't just say they need Jesus. That's the problem. She went on to say, I mean, I'm dealing with a very challenging calling and doing my best. Far from perfect, but definitely more help and support would help us just get better and better. If people use drugs, they can't stay. And if people don't like some things, why didn't they mention it to anyone and go this route? There is so much more to it all. Do I quit, give up, or keep trying to help those who, who do want it? There's no apology. Just a note, she's doing my best. If her intentions are the only thing she has going for her, and it's not like she has professional credentials that would say otherwise, she needs to quit and stop punishing women who need help, not Jesus. I would love to see American atheists or FFRF or some other atheistic group take on this issue. In West Virginia, they actually court order people to go to NA and AA meetings, religious meetings. If anybody put the most cursory amount of work into this, we could probably get the court system to stop assigning people, stop court ordering people to go to religious meetings. I don't see how that's legal at all. That would not stand the test of the Constitution. There's no way in hell. But that takes time and money and work. Maybe one day we'll find ourselves in that situation where we can pursue it. Let's take a look at Super Chats. Pasty Cake. The copium was funny at first, but now it's concerning and frightening how far they'll go for Trump. I know. Seriously. By the way, where did the term copium come from? I know, I know what it means. I'm wondering where it started. Uh, where are people picking up on that? Because I've heard it a lot lately. Copium and hopium both. I've heard those terms a lot. Pretty interesting. I think they're pretty clever. Bud123 just involved themselves in propaganda. Okay, I don't know what propaganda you're referring to, but yeah, I know. Bud123 does get involved in propaganda sometimes. I've seen it. That's okay, you know? I don't hate anybody for anything, and I'm willing to hear anybody out on any subject, period. But yeah, I've noticed a little bit um, of, you know, some things that I would consider to be propagandistic. That's just me. Glad you're here, though, Bud123. Please keep coming, because I don't want this to be an echo chamber. If you disagree with me, I appreciate that you're here. Uh, that goes for you, too, Zolfner. He has never read the good book we love. Are you talking about the Bible? Please tell me you're not talking about the Bible. Hey, welcome, Neil. Thank you for coming. Fucking awesome. Owen is the real troll here, am I? Am I the real troll? Neil the 604 Atheist. Hey, Owen, brother. Hope you have a great holiday weekend, man. Hope you have a great holiday weekend, too. I'm doing a few extra articles tonight so that I can take Christmas off. And it's going to be fucking great. Just going to chill out, not do shit, you know? But I actually have a problem right now. <laughs> it's a serious problem. I don't know what to do about it. Maybe you guys can help me. I've always celebrated Christmas, basically, on Christmas Eve. 
we have always done our celebrating our, our holiday party and our food and, and everything on Christmas Eve. And we open a single present each on December 24th every year. And then the next morning, Christmas Day, the 25th, we always open the rest uh, in the morning. And then Christmas, the rest of Christmas Day, fucking nothing. Just chill out, watch TV, just fucking eat, do whatever, you know? But Christmas Day is always kind of a somber and sad day for me, honestly, because I know I have 364 more days to go until the next one. So that's how I've always done it. But my girlfriend, she always celebrates and opens the presents and eats the food and has the holiday parties on Christmas Day, the 25th. So I'm not sure what to do here. Are we going to celebrate on the 24th or are we going to do it on the 25th or both? I don't know. It's a problem. Anyway, thank you for coming, Neil, and thanks for the super chat. I really appreciate that. That's fucking awesome. When we come back, we're going to talk about Congressman brother Louis Gohmert making a fool of himself over and over again. So give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So the next article I wanted to look at is about Louis Gomer. Now, some of you guys may not know who this is. Let me give you a little bit of a lead up. This is how I remember who Louis Gomert is. He was in a congressional hearing at one point a while back. It was the House Judiciary Committee. And the attorney general was talking to him and said, what Louis Gomert is saying is inaccurate. It's not true. And Louis, old Louis over here, he, he got a little bit upset. Uh, this is the attorney general we're looking at on the screen here. This is Louis Gohmert. Uh, so anyways, let's listen to the clip and see what old Louis Gohmert had to say when somebody impugns his motives. The attorney general made statements that what I said was not true when actually uh, the reverse is what happened. I asked the Mr. attorney Mr. You know he's full of shit. I don't know this situation. I didn't research exactly why he was in this committee or what was going on or what was said or any of that shit. But I know the guy is full of it. Like, I can just hear it in his voice, you know? Look at this stupid fucking face, too, man. I don't know. These people annoy me. You know what? I'm not going to... I'm not going to attack anybody's looks, okay? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to stoop that low. He's a fine-looking young man. We'll say that. Let's keep listening. Well, what Mr. Was Chairman, regular order. This is my and point I, of personal no, privilege, and no, then the gentleman will respond. No, it's not the point of personal privilege. Yes, it is. So... As far as I know, the way these things work, uh, Louis Gohmert was actually incorrect. There was not a point of personal privilege, just for the record. When you attack somebody's integrity and say they made statements that were not true, then, of course, 
uh, that is uh, raises a point of personal privilege. But the attorney general failed to answer my question about what was after what Okay, hang on. This is a point of personal privilege. Why is he going back to a different subject? That's really the issue here. So he said that he was trying to address the fact that the attorney general said that he wasn't telling the truth. So he's allotted a certain amount of time in this trial, right? Louis Gohmert is allowed to do a certain number of things and ask a certain number of questions. And if something happens, you can call a personal point of privilege and and address it outside of that time. And he's doing that, except instead of addressing this personal point of privilege, he's using that extra time to ask more questions and attack this guy. It's manipulating the system is ultimately what it is. And it's exactly what I the kind of thing I expect from Christian extremists who have made their way into political power. That's what I tend to expect from people like this. AKA the Republican leadership in the Senate and in the House. Will fail to answer my the questions about what was after what he went back in regular order, Mr. Chairman. Dispersions on my asparagus. Whoa, wait a minute. I'm sorry. What was that? Can we hear that last? What were those last five words? Let's listen one more time. Hang on. Regular order, Mr. Chairman. Dispersions. Do not cast aspersions. On my asparagus. On my asparagus. Do not cast aspersions on my asparagus. What? Don't cast aspersions on my asparagus. I love it. This is fucking awesome. This is the kind of shit I expect from these people, by the way. If you are a Republican, you and I have disagreements, and that's okay. You and I can have disagreements. I, I love talking about disagreements between me and other people. I love talking it through with people and debating and working through ideas and beliefs and the whole nine yards. Love it. Uh, but the Republican leadership in the House of Representatives, which I believe he's a House member, and in the Senate, they're full of shit. There's, there's nothing knocking around up there. They just say words that mean nothing when put together. They're just saying things to try to get votes, whatever it takes dog whistling to anybody, any group that'll vote for them, they'll do it. And label their opponents with an us versus them mentality as other and evil and sick. The extreme of the extreme, anything that it takes to convince their voters that they are not as bad as their opponents at the very least. They can be hated. Louis Gohmert is okay with not being liked, but he wants to make sure that you hate his opponent more than you hate him. That's what matters to him. And, and what else matters to him? It matters that you don't cast aspersions on his asparagus, too. So don't do that shit. It's, it's wrong. You cast aspersions on people's asparagus, that's crossing lines. You don't want to cross those lines. Because Louis gets upset. So, anyways, there was a new video from Louis Gohmert that I wanted to watch and see what he had to say. There was an article about that video on rightwingwatch.org. The title of the article is Louis Gohmert urges Christians to pray that Supreme Court of the United States will throw out the election and let the House decide. This is Louis Gohmert advocating for a political coup. In the United States, he wants to overturn the duly elected leader 
in the United States and replace him with the with a dictator. That's what Louis Gomer is advocating for in this video. So let's give this a read and see what it says. It's by Kyle Mantilla. The Family Research Council hosted a rally in Georgia Tuesday aimed at mobilizing conservative Christians to vote in the state's upcoming runoff election, which will determine which party controls the U.S. Senate next term. Among the speakers at the rally was Republican Representative Louie Gohmert of Texas, who ripped the Supreme Court for dismissing an effort by the state of Texas to overturn the results of a recent presidential election and urged the audience to pray that the court will throw out the results of that election, allowing the House of Representatives to decide who becomes president. Now, let's watch this clip and see what Louie Gohmert actually had to say for himself. Don't you think it's time that we had Supreme Court justices that quit worrying about intimidation and quit worrying about threats and said, we are here by God's grace. Or let me pause it right there. I want to point something out. It's interesting that he brings that up. We want a Supreme Court that isn't being intimidated and not giving in to threats and stuff like that. Now, I don't believe for a second that the Supreme Court is giving in to threats or intimidation or anything like that. The Supreme Court members are ultra-rich, and I'm sure they could get security uh, to protect them if they want. Who knows? Maybe even Secret Service security. I'm sure Trump would send some Secret Service members over to protect each and every one of them. He'd build a fucking wall around the, the Supreme Court's courthouse if it needed to be like that. They would be protected. They do not have to worry about being attacked or something like that, in all seriousness. The reason that there are no term limits for the Supreme Court, the reason that the Supreme Court justices get to serve for their entire lives is because they don't want to set up a system, or the Founding Fathers didn't want to set up a system where the Supreme Court members had to lobby and campaign and try to gain favor and win votes and things like that. They didn't want them to be beholden to anybody. They wanted the Supreme Court to make decisions that they believed were true and right and just regardless of what other people thought. They didn't want the Supreme Court justices to have to face social consequences for the decisions that they made. And honestly, I agree with that. I, don't, I wouldn't want Supreme Court justices going out there campaigning and saying, if you vote for me as a Supreme Court justice, then I will abolish gay marriage or I will do this thing or that thing. I want people to look at the facts and honestly consider whether or not they have merit and vote based on that, not on who has the most money, who's willing to pay them the most money to vote a certain way. I don't want that. That shouldn't be the case. So I am also in favor of preventing Supreme Court justices from campaigning, for example, for at, at the very least. I don't want them to have to campaign or anything. But I do believe that they should have term limits, I guess, a certain number of years that they can serve before being removed. Now, this is kind of complicated. The Senate, I believe, or the House maybe, yeah, the House proposed a bill where the Supreme Court would be limited to 18-year terms. So after 18 years, you're out. As far as I know, you're not allowed to be nominated again and put back in the Supreme Court after those 18 years. 
that's not law and it probably won't be law at least not for a long time but i feel like that has merit i like that actually because as the years go on things change society makes progress why do we have somebody who was born and raised in the 1930s on the supreme court making decisions for us in 2020 that shouldn't be the case now as far as picking 18 years for the number of years that justices are allowed to serve i think that was an interesting choice too because presidents are the ones who nominate the candidates for the supreme court and then the senate i believe is who actually votes on whether or not that nominee gets to be a Supreme Court justice, right? So they picked a number of years that was out of sync with the presidency. 18 is not a clean multiple of four. So you got four, eight, 12, 16. So halfway through another presidency, that person would pick a new Supreme Court justice. That's how it would line up. But it is in sync with the Senate because the Senate has terms of six years. So the new Supreme Court terms, if they did get pushed through, which again, probably not, but who knows, they would be out of sync with the presidency, but they'd be in sync with the Senate. That's kind of interesting to me, I think. Anyway, let's keep listening to old Louis Gomert over here. We took an oath to God and we are going to follow the oath to our constitution and our god and this mockery of a okay now hold on i gotta pause here again um the supreme court justices they they shouldn't have taken an oath to god they didn't take an oath to god did they maybe on an individual basis they did but honestly i have a problem with that too the bible says you can't slave for two masters You'll either ignore the one and love the other or love the one and ignore the other, whatever the fuck the Bible says about it. It's bound to fail miserably. Why would anybody, I don't know that anybody who's religious or, or who's super Christian at the very least, I don't know that any of them should be in government because they outright say God comes first. If you say that God comes before country, you shouldn't be there. You should not be in that position, period. Now, if you're a moderate Christian and you can agree that the country comes before your stupid bullshit fucking religion, fine. Happy for you to be there. But I don't want people up here like this jagoff saying they took an oath to God and the Constitution, all that shit. No, their oath to the Constitution should be the only thing that's relevant here. Election is not going to define this country. Some say we don't have a remedy. Some say we don't have a jurisdiction. The Constitution says they do. And the remedy is you throw out the bad votes, and if you don't know what they are, you throw out the certification and let the House decide just as the Constitution said, and you need to pray for that very thing. Thank you. God bless you all. What a fucking monster, dude. This, is, this guy is a fucking monster, and he's been in power, political power, for entirely too long.
This is another issue that I have with the way Congress operates. I'd like to see term limits not just on the House of Representatives, which is where Louie is from, but also for the Senate. We shouldn't have people in there who are in their 80s and have been in Congress since they were in their 20s. That's ridiculous. 50 years, 60 years, 70 years have passed since this person grew up and was a, a real part of culture and now they're in there making major decisions for millions of people. I don't know, dude. I just I don't I don't think that they should be in there for longer than 12 years. I think senators should be limited to two terms, two 6-year terms, and house members should be limited to six 2-year terms in my opinion. I'm willing to have my mind changed on that, but when you have incumbents like this who've been in Congress for entirely too long, they're nearly impossible to remove from power, and they just say crazier and crazier shit, and they know that they're not going to get voted out because they've spent so much time demonizing their opponent. They know they're hated. They just need you to hate their opponent more than you hate them. That's it, and it's fucking disgusting. Let's take a look at Super Chats. Happy Butters Blast. Happy holidays to everyone. Stay safe in this insane 2020 fever dream. Thank you. Happy holidays to you, too. Yeah, stay safe, for real. Sky Valentine, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Alexa Sick, my family used to celebrate Christmas Eve. Then all Christmas Day, we hung out together and played games, ate a lot, just enjoy each other's company. We opened presents at midnight. Sounds like a lot of fun, honestly. I don't know. I never celebrated Christmas growing up, so all of this is like kind of something that I'm just exploring on my own and just doing on my own. So Zolfner, I can now officially say the chat wants us to debate. Oh yeah. Okay. That may be, I just don't debate. I'm sorry. I'm not good at it. Hung like Jesus, 999. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Awesome name. The blue dragon, 777. Hold up copium slash hopium. Not familiar. Please share. Copium is basically the term you use for like when somebody is just so disappointed in the results of something like, Trump supporters are using copium right now because they're like, oh, he still has a chance. He could still make it. He might be president still. Oh, clinging to that last bit of copium before the height falls. And then hopium, I think. I don't know what hopium is. Is that the real version? I have hopium that Medicare for all will be pushed through. I don't remember what hopium is. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, that, that, that's what those terms mean. I'm not sure who came up with them, though. They're pretty clever. Bud123 just said, I love discuss discussing disagreements and debating. You still won't debate. I didn't mean literal formal debates. I don't like literal formal debates, but I do like discussing ideas. I like discussions, not debates. That's the problem. You guys aren't casting aspersions on my asparagus in chat, are you? I just want to be sure. What can you tell us about Waco? Oh, what can I tell you about Waco? I've done a video on Waco before, actually. Branch Davidians. Very crazy shit. It's an older video. I should really do a an updated version because it's, you know, it's probably outdated now. Been a very long time. Fascinating thing, though, the Branch Davidians. Absolutely heartbreaking and, and fascinating. And, you know, I will do an updated one. Maybe that'll be my next video that I do. I have a few lined up already to release over Christmas, but after that, maybe I'll do another on the Branch Davidians. How much ASL do you know? I know a little because my mom used to be an interpreter. Not much anymore. 
I, you know, I studied it when I was a teenager trying to help the Jehovah's Witnesses, but that was 12 years ago, so it's been a hot minute. We are casting all the aspersions on your asparagus. You better not. I'm going to be upset if you cast aspersions on my asparagus. That's my asparagus. Can't cast aspersions on that without permission. That's wrong. Telltale, in your disfellowship video, you said you were 18, so did you not celebrate until Kylie was born? No, I still believed it for a couple of years after leaving the religion. Um, I don't think I celebrated until I was maybe 21 or 22, maybe 23. And even then, I didn't celebrate. I have only ever in my life had maybe two or three birthday cakes. Uh, one was my 27th birthday. My coworkers bought me one at work. Um, the other one was last year my girlfriend made me some cupcakes for my birthday. And then the third was the year before that. I think she made a cake for me that time too. I don't remember exactly. If I heard of the last Reformation, they're a sort of culty Christian group. I don't think I've heard of that. Interesting. I'll have to look into it. Do a shirt that says we're, what What was the term Louis said? Uh, you're aspersing asparagus. Okay. I'll look into it. Aspersing asparagus. What a fucking ridiculous dude, right? Please do a shirt for that. Okay. I'll look into it for sure. And maybe I'll draw a picture of Louis Gomert with a giant bald fucking shiny head and it just says asparagus across the front or something you know asparagus <laughs> for the love of all asparagus how about a video on that german cult in south america oh there are a lot of cults that i could do very very fascinating cults that give real good insight into the mindset and I feel like that's very important so that it, you know, it doesn't affect us so that we don't fall into that kind of shit. But only so many videos per year and, and out of thousands and thousands of cults, I can only pick so many. That's where I'm gonna end it for the night. Appreciate you guys coming on and giving it a listen and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.